everyone. Uh, welcome to this Week in Mormons international edition again. Uh, for those watching my video, I apologize that I, you're going to see my profile sideways because of my desk setup today. <laughs> uh, but those listening in, uh, well, that's completely relevant to you. <laughs> uh, Danny, we have Daniel Ferreira joining me today. Uh, how are you doing, Danny? I'm very good. I'm happy that we're doing this. Uh, I'm here in the US right now and things are lining up for Thanksgiving. That's right. I would say one of the biggest you know, celebrations in the US. I, I learned this week that it is by far the most traveled or, or the most you know, busy uh, holiday in mm. the US. I mean, no, no Christmas, no Easter, no Independence Day will uh, overcome the popularity of Thanksgiving. Everything's closed that day, so which is surprising considering the US culture where there's a lot of hard work or work in general, like a lot very limited holidays and just uh working hard and, and earning your your way to Yeah. yeah. Th this is probably so it's, the it's, one it's interesting. That, yeah, it's probably the one that brings the US to a not a standstill, but the closest one to like really stopping things in the US from from my experience there for Thanksgiving, I remember one of them, maybe the second one or third one there. I, I think the first one that I was not invited to <laughs> to meet with anyone. So my wife and I spent it on our own. I think our daughter would have been like a newborn. And okay. we're like, oh, we're just going to spend it on our own. That's nice family time. Uh, we don't have any traditions. So we didn't have a meal prepared or anything. We we're like, oh, we're just going to go eat out. <laughs> and to our surprise, everything was closed and we hadn't gone to yes. the supermarket earlier and we we're like hungry. <laughs> we're like, oh, this this thing really, really closes everything. We went to like McDonald's, uh, everything's Taco, everything all of the completely. places, everything was closed. We were only able to find this place in in, in between Provo and Orem, uh, in University Parkway, if I remember correctly, called Mimi's Cafe, which was like a diner, like a... Uh, TJ Fridays type type place, okay. at like eight thirty PM, and that one was open, and they had like a like a Thanksgiving menu. So we're like, oh, finally, we found a place, and we ended up having Thanksgiving dinner there, which probably sounds like uh like terrible for our US listeners. Sorry about that. I learned, but, but you got way. you got really lucky. I mean, last year we yeah. for us something. I mean, we had an interesting set of invitations from from board members and then for whatever reason uh, we decided to to do different stuff but mm -hmm. then i think yeah it was that day for dinner we thought i mean we can buy something you know like we can go out and eat something because you're used to everything is open i mean 24 december or as i said easter or whichever you know common world celebration um but not Thanksgiving. I mean, not even cars were around. I mean, everything was, was absolutely yeah. dead. Like, I mean, people are with their families or in their houses doing their, their thing, but nothing is open. I mean, at yeah. least here in, in, in New York State was absolutely dead. Like, no no place is open at all. So I think you got pretty lucky uh, yeah. in, in your U.S. experience for Thanksgiving. So I think it's a wonderful celebration, though. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised mm -hmm. that... It, and, and I think because it has this powerful tradition of, of, of giving things about, about things in life, then it's an opportunity for families to get together and to enjoy and, and 
now that I'm here in a university, then of course you see kids, you know, making their plans to fly or to drive to see their parents. I understand that this Wednesday is probably the busiest in terms of, of highways, you know, like everything's oh, yeah, packed, traffic and yeah. uh, traffic. If, if, yeah, you, airports if a drive too. will yeah. take you an hour, will take you three or four. So it's just crazy. Yeah. When I was at BYU, everybody wanted to rush and kind of leave as soon as possible. And uh, it, it's just, like, you know what re it remembers? Reminds me of, sorry, uh, of um, Easter in Chile back in the day, like in the 90s or maybe early yeah, sure, 2000s sure. when everything would like close and it was like a very long, long weekend and people would, would travel and you would see the, so, uh, so the you, traffic. You need to, uh, to make plans in advance. Like, yeah. I mean, you have to do your grocery shopping the weekend before. You need to have everything lined up and set yeah. up because if you wait until the last minute, you won't find anything. Like, and, yeah. and mainly because... There is certain traditions you need to follow in Chile for 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 for, uh, for Friday, yeah, for, or for the Friday for the Holy Friday. Yeah, then you eat fish. That was yeah. a tradition in Chile. You you won't eat meat, right? So yeah. you had to have something in advance, like frozen or or whatever, because if not, you won't find anything like it on on on, on the day before or or days previous from from the celebration. So yeah. something similar happens here. You go grocery shopping during the weekend before Thanksgiving, and you need to make sure you have your turkey because if not, you won't find any turkey, yeah. right? Those things, or mm -hmm. the stuffing, or I don't know, cranberry sauce, or whatnot, yeah. right? Like the gravy, yeah. traditional things, the gravy, and all of these traditional things. Yeah, That's I remember the the tradition in for Easter, even though we're in November, talking about Easter, or just drawing the parallels with Thanksgiving. Yes, uh, the the tradition of eating fish only or seafood rather than the meat is a Catholic tradition, or at least a Spanish uh, Catholic tradition that that is quite strong. And a quick anecdote: uh, I got married. My, my the day of my my sealing was on Good Friday uh, in in Chile back in two thousand seven. And the hotel where we did our reception, they had like the catering and everything prepared. When we when we went to try, we had like a like a taster session for different options for dinner. And the, the traditional thing, yes, yes, yeah. You, you, you need the, to check what they're going to offer you, yeah. Before, yeah, exactly. So my wife and I happens, went yes. back then. My fiance, we went, and, and everything they were bringing to us was fish or seafood. We were like, where is the meat? <laughs> and, and they were like, mm, they were very hesitant. And then they, they said like, oh, it, it is Good Friday. And it's like, we don't eat meat. And we were like, oh, yeah, you're right. But don't, don't worry. We, we do eat meat. It's fine. Because in our you know, more cultural, it's cultural. It's, tradition, not even, yeah. it's not even religion. In, yes. Yeah. In our Latter-day Saint tradition, we, we don't have that part of it. That comes from Catholicism. And, and back then, uh, looking at my younger self, probably a little bit less kind of aware of, of other faith traditions and the uh, how, how sacred they consider these things, I, I was taking it very lightly, like, oh, oh, they don't need meat. We do. Oh, that's so cool. And actually, we ended up having um, uh, beef, <laughs> meat for, for <laughs> dinner that day. And <laughs> You won uh, them, yes. Yeah, but, but, but now in hindsight, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'll probably do it again, but I'm much more aware of, especially practicing Catholic people, not that many of them, but, but those that, that are... Um, you know that, that those little gestures are, are really meaningful. We do have things like that in our church. That if somebody would have treated those traditions uh, th the same way I kind of treated the, that tradition back then, I'll be, I, I wouldn't be happy about it. So I, I think it's good to look around and to appreciate and respect 
the the traditions of other Christian faiths and also other faith traditions outside of, of Christianity as well. Here in the UK, um, th there's a massive respect for uh, an integration of, of of many of the traditions from Islam, from um, um, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, and even integrating in school curricula. Like here, there's a lot of uh, traditions around Christmas. They do Christmas activities in school, things that in the in the U.S. wouldn't happen because there's a whole like separation of church and state thing. And here I was surprised to see that. But also there is a lot of Diwali and um, Eid and things like that from other faiths. And Hanukkah. And, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that, you know, everybody kind of gets a fair shot at being included in, in religious education and all of that. And, and I appreciated that. I, I, it seems like like an upgrade from the experience I had both in Chile and also in the U.S. in terms of inclu inclusion and inclusivity of of religion in public life. That seems quite healthy. So uh, kudos to the U.K. for, for that. And, and, and it helps the kids also. It helps the kids to, to be aware, more aware of, of yeah. other cultures and other religious traditions. So that's all welcome yeah, and, and needed. Yeah. Let's go to the to news. Say, and before that, Danny, I think okay. our listeners deserve to know that today – we were very, very close to a very historic milestone with, with TWIM, which was that we were going to have the first, to my knowledge, the first episode where we would have three continents represented at the same time simultaneously. That's true. And even more than yeah. that, we were going to have a bit of time travel because our third host, Georgia Travers, was going to join us from Australia in tomorrow in in tomorrow's you know, in, time in the next calendar yes. day you know they are yes. 11 hours ahead of me um and even more hours ahead of you or like 16 hours ahead of you and she's and visiting crazy, australia yes. her husband is australian they've been there for the last three weeks or so and we had everything ready to go but unfortunately over the last 24 hours she struggled with with some health issues uh there are some bugs going around and she couldn't join us but she says hi to all of the twin listeners and you are just going to have to imagine her voice and accent today. But uh, the news that we're covering covering today, a lot of those were um, chosen by provide, uh, chosen yes. by Georgia. So um, a shout out to her. I'll get well soon, and uh, hope to have you in, a, in an upcoming episode when you are well. All the best for Georgia and all the good wishes of, of recovery and, and good health. Right? For yeah, I, I've been struggling yeah. with with. Well, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. Then. Uh, lingering cold after that. I don't know if it was lingering symptoms from COVID and everybody <laughs> in the area has seemed to, to be dealing with some bugs. I don't know how it's been there, but it's yeah, I mean, that the, time the of the fall, year. The fall here is, yeah, it's the time of the year. It's it's tough. It it, it gets very, very tough. And, and I think we, we all need to be mindful about we're not getting any younger. So we need to be <laughs> aware of, of, of diseases and, and making sure that we're, we're yeah. uh, protecting ourselves Take your vitamins, uh, as President Nelson said. Yes. Take your vitamins. It's going to be and exciting. And getting your vaccines as well, yes. Yeah, yeah, and your, your vaccines. Your flu shot, yes. Your flu shots and all. Yes. And, yeah. Let's so go to the got news. Very, very interesting news for this uh, episode because um, very, very eventful I would say week. historic, eventful week. Yeah. And first of all, um, we've got President Ballard funeral. And, and I yeah. think it's it deserves some time on, on our end. Uh, talking about his life, his impact as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and of course, as a very successful businessman and, and a very successful, you know, um, I would say 
defender or 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 or, or a person that that was Stored, able yeah. to yeah to to show the church into different spheres different from you know uh church spheres mm -hmm. but also in terms of of uh the world right uh yeah and and i think one of the interesting things about elder ballard is his uh relentless capacity to talk about missionary work I think when I think of him, I think of missionary work, and yeah. and that's that's fantastic because I mean I served a mission twenty three years ago, twenty two, mm. and uh, it's been a long time. And the most powerful things I, I remember from him are, are missionary work. And 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 once you serve the mission, you kind of think that that you, your service is done, and kind of you know you shouldn't be that concerned or or, or, or worried about missionary work. But I, I really honor and value those members that are uh, missionaries for life. And, and I, I've thought about it and I've um, repent myself many, many times about it because sometimes I just think, no, but I don't have that missionary spirit, but, but I think we all have it if, if we look for it and, and we try. And President Butler, for me, his name resonates uh, as, as missionary work in church and, and I'm thankful for, for what he did in that sphere Uh, yeah, as a member of the program of the Twelve Apostles, it's very similar for me. And thanks for your kind words. Uh, every time uh, an apostle or a member of the First Presidency passes away, it's a very eventful. I mean, it's a very significant event uh, for for a few reasons. One of those is that they hold so much influence and uh, in, in our organization, and they're kind of structurally. I mean, we, we talk about scriptures that the church is. Found, founded upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, yes. Christ being the chief cornerstone, if I'm paraphrasing that correctly, um, from, from the New Testament. So they're, they're quite significant, but also they they live long lives. Uh, at least that, that's been... 95. <laughs> the, the, the exactly, he was 95, 95 years old. Yes. So they accumulate a ministry that, that, is, that is very long. And we're going to talk about kind of the, the, the age element a little bit in, in, our, in this conversation. But um, ever since... Uh, for all of the months of my life that I've been alive, except like three, he has been an apostle. I think he was called in October two, um, 1985. I, I was born in July 1985. So, And so that made me realize that all of the apostles that were called before I was born were already dead. But but dead, he's the first yes. one that was called during my lifetime that, that now uh, passes away. Uh, so it's you know all of those years of ministry plus the the years before that plus the influence of his his uh, wife barbara ballard as well who, who was quite influential as well in, in in kind of in the world of of spouses of uh, apostles and and one thing with elder ballard from my kind of experience growing up and kind of going through my youth years and then my young adulthood and now not as young adulthood with with him in, in, as part of the the 12 is that he he always came across for me at least, as a very simple apostle in terms of how he communicated. Like, uh, he's one of those that I, I didn't feel was preaching or, or, or speaking with like this church accent of, you know, kind of sounding spiritual and or trying to sound in a particular way. All of his messages were very succinct and to the point and very practical. And, 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 and I think and that was a let, unique let, thing about him. Let, let, let me, let me, uh, comment something about it. I think probably this is my take, but because of his business experience, you know, he understands that language is essential to convey the message, right? And the clearer you convey the message, 
the more effective it's going to be in terms of reaching those that need to listen to it, right? I mean, yeah. if you use all this uh, very unique expressions from the church, if you use all this, you know, vocabulary that's so LDS, you know, it's yeah. going to be difficult to reach other audiences, right? While he's, again, probably his business experience uh, allowed him to understand that it is important to, to be clear and to get to the point, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you, you can do all this, uh, you know, rounds and, 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 and try to, to use this fancy words, this Sunday morning words to, to explain things. But in the end, what really matters is that people that listen to a message feel the yeah. spirit yeah. And, yeah. and understand what, what, what you want to, to, to invite them to do. I think we, we don't need to forget that a message not only teaches you something, but invites you to action. Right. And, and no matter what you're talking about at church, you need to mm -hmm. leave an invitation. And I think he was very good at that. I mean, he actually, in in all of his messages, he was capable of providing insight and, and teaching a principle, but most importantly, leaving an invitation, right? And and mm -hmm. again, we, we don't need to forget that. We can improve the way we, we, we communicate. We can improve the way we make people feel but what really matters is that they're invited to action and he did it yeah he, and he, that was, he, he really was was good at it that was a trademark of of his ministry i i agree 100 percent and and also to, to close a little bit on on our kind of um reminiscing of elder ballard's honoring honoring, honoring, ballard our, and honoring, honoring yes. yeah It's yes. uh, that he was very influential and probably unbeknownst to, to most members. And, and some of the articles that have come out both uh, from the church news and other other sites uh, kind of, uh, recapping his service and in his life point that out. Even in his funeral, some, some of those things were pointed out. His influence in uh, missionary work, as you said before, um, I didn't know that he was... I don't know if in charge but, or at least quite involved in the development of the missionary guide, the one that came out in the 80s and that preceded Preach My Gospel. And hmm. so as well with Preach My Gospel, the original one, and even this revision from just a few months ago, uh, the second version of Preach My Gospel. So he was directly involved in those with, with, with some of the other fellow apostles. I think Elder Holland was the chair for the first Preach My Gospel. Um, he was uh, in charge of the, how do you say this? Sesquicentennial? Uh, anniversary of the pioneers arriving to Utah in 1997, which even though it was before the internet really exploded and it was when I was a kid, I was a deacon that, that hmm. back then in 97. I remember that like it was an event that actually got the whole church involved, even in remote Chile. I, I remember all of the events that took place and, and he was the, the chair of all of that. And not only that, he remained involved pretty much for life on some of that work. Um, I don't have the details, but I remember that he sponsored and championed the dedication of um, uh, some monuments just a year ago or two, maybe, of some of the uh, black pioneers that arrived with uh, the saints in, in, in the 1800s to Utah, uh, to Green Flake and, and, and others that, um, that, that, that took part in that and that with the course of history had been nearly erased from the narrative and... and Uh, had lacked that recognition and, and even this last year or the previous year i can't quite remember when 
he was the one there presiding already on kind of uh, weak health and quite quite old but he, he yeah but still really involved, on that message. You know, yes exactly yeah. and and also a message of inclusion uh that cross racial boundaries in that case and also some of the 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 most uh needle moving words in terms of or understanding of and an appreciation of the needs of uh, LGBTQ members and their experience uh, came from him. There are some really, I think there was a CES devotional or training that he delivered just a few years ago, 2015, 2016. Can quite, don't have the quote with me now, but where he calls uh, uh, CES uh, people, I guess the, the audience there, and by extension, I think it applies to all of us. To, to do a much better jo- job of understanding the experiences of LGBTQ saints and to listen more rather than judge more and, and things like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now as well. But much of that, like when you think of Elder Ballard, maybe that doesn't come to mind straight away. But now that we have a chance to look back, uh, you can see all of those fingerprints of his service as one of the 15 uh, mm-hmm. members of the 12 and more than 15 over the years as he started and now he's... Uh, getting out of it on the other side of the veil. Yes. Uh, it, it's great to see that. And in a way that, at least for me, didn't feel like he was trying to gain any attention into himself, but in in a really succinct and really uh, humble way. And we're, we've talked about a lot of the good. I think the last few months have also... Uh, uh, kind of brought to the to the to the public attention some of the that bit more complex elements uh, dealing with Elder Ballard with this whole Tim Ballard fiasco that has been on the news so much, which we haven't covered really in the international episodes. Partly because it remains quite local, but it, it, it is still of kind of church-wide significance. We may not have the time to delve into that a, a lot, but um, it's been called into question how much he would have been involved or would have been. Uh, swindled or or kind of uh, deceived by 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 the by, by this whole scandal and the the the, the things that that happened with the, this the, the, this man Tim Ballard, uh, which I I hope does not tarnish the legacy of uh, Edward Ballard in in his apostolic ministry, right? And, but it does serve as a reminder that if many of the things that have come out are even partially you know, uh, there's an element of truth in, in those. It, it does show that, you know, these are human people, right? Uh, and and people uh, trust people. And, and I think as members, we trust other fellow members, you know, to, to, to be doing good. And again, finding ways to, to extend the message, you know. I think yeah. sometimes <clears throat> we are so focused into what happens in our words or in our communities that we forget that our our mission also is to extend uh, the the good news of the gospel to mm-hmm. everyone, right? And and whichever way we find to do it, it's welcome and is uh, needed and is useful. And and in the process of doing so, when you trust other fellow members, you never see their you know their plans mm-hmm. or their you know their plots, uh, which mm-hmm. of course m- makes us think that sometimes you just get trapped into other people's you know plans and i don't know yeah, it's sometimes yeah. it's just uh maybe that one is a, that, that we're yeah we're so trusting with each other yeah yeah i think it's but it's, uh, the, it's the way it's the way it should be also yeah yeah i mean we, we have we have in the record in in recent decades the, the cases of mark hoffman and his kind of yes, coming the forgery and, and yes the forgery of, of documents and the likes of president hinckley and others that actually fell for it right so it, it, yeah. it is a reminder that even our 
or apostles and prophets are subject to being uh what's the word there's no infallibility in them yeah. you know they're human and and as human uh, again as i said we're trusting people i think yeah. i've been raised as a member and i trust people i mean i trust people until they prove me wrong right and and sometimes you get a trust i mean that that's the way we've been raised and and the yeah. way we've been capable of doing many things as a society so anytime someone wants to you know damage the system or the structure then of course damages the way we we've conceived uh our interactions as as, as human beings yeah so and taking it to account sorry sorry no, I, I was I, trying I, to tra- I was just going to say that on, on this whole Tim Baller aspect, since we went on a slight tangent, I feel it would be great to cover it in, a, in an upcoming episode or maybe a pay, patron segment more in depth because, uh, I I don't know, I think some of our US listeners that have been much more exposed to that, uh, close to the epicenter of all of this news, might wonder how people like us might experience it from the outside. Um, so yeah, I would love to delve into that, but I feel like it's going to take the whole episode if you go there. <laughs> yes, um, yes, it's it's yeah, but it's a tunnel that is going to take yeah, us some time to. It's a yes. big rabbit hole. Yeah, yes. one thing I'll say is that I can attest that ninety nine point nine percent of people over here have no clue what's going on. That can be good or bad. I mean, the, the, you know, yeah, it's an ignorance it's not an international bliss. issue. Yeah, yes, exactly. But it's not an international issue at all. Yes. Yeah. And, and people don't don't seem to care much, even if they find out. But but for the one person that might might, might know, and and also when when we hear about the scale of of the allegations and all of that, it merits some discussion. So we'll go there. We'll probably let the, the whole thing evolve a bit more when we have more breaking news around that story. We'll come back to that, and uh, we'll give it the time it merits. On, on Elder Ballard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking that. Yeah. I just wanted to transition to to the fact that. Now that we're honoring Elder Ballard, we also need to consider that soon we're going to have a new apostle, and that's all always good news in many many aspects and succession. Uh, <laughs> yes, and 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 yeah. how this is going to evolve as Latin Americans by by birthright, uh, we're happy that we've got Elder Suarez who is representing Latin America from Brazil, mm-hmm. but we, we're always curious about. What if you know we've got an yeah. apostle from I don't know, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, or Peru? You know, I serve in Colombia, maybe from Colombia, uh, and that would be uh, uh, that is an international thing, you know, because that's something 100%. that, that it, it involves us. We've got Elder Ugdorf that is from Germany, so mm-hmm. I mean, the church and its uh, growth, exponential growth internationally, of course, has been including. Uh, members from from different latitudes, right? So mm-hmm. when thinking of a member of the Roman of Twelve Apostles, then it's only natural to think, well, maybe it's a time is the time to see a Latin American apostle, or yeah. maybe I don't know uh, a European apostle or someone, yeah, or Pacific that is Islander, not from Utah, or right? you know, yes, uh, yes, someone that Asia. is, yes. Yeah, and on this, I have I have so many thoughts, so many thoughts. I'll try to to control myself. But um, well, there were a few articles, by the way, that we'll link to uh, regarding the the whole apostolic succession topic uh, and this inevitable speculation that will come very likely until conference next year, right? But uh, one of the articles from the Church News is that this last quorum of the twelve apostles was the sixth longest tenured in church history. So basically, how well, how many years they lasted without any changes, without anybody dying and being called? Um, do you know which one is the longest serving ever? 
No, no, no idea. I didn't know either. I thought I knew, but Quorum of the Twelve only. It's a period in the 1920s to 1930s. I don't remember the exact dates. I thought it was actually like World War One, kind of in like between World, World War One, kind of Great Depression era. You know, okay. when John A. Witso and uh, James okay. Talmadge and, Talmadge, yes. you know, Joseph Fielding Smith was there, you know, kind of that group. Very young. David, David Omake. Very, very young, yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. That, kind of that group. But, uh, and they served like 10 and a half years in a row with no changes. Uh, and the second one is the one of our childhood and youth years. So from uh, 95 to 2004, uh, when President Hinckley was called, all the way until oh. Elder Maxwell passed away in July 2004. That was yeah. nine and a half years, roughly. And But when you consider the first presidency plus the Quorum of the Twelfth with no changes at all, that is the longest serving. Because on the oh, one wow. from the 1920s, 1930s, the first presidency had some changes. Changed. Whereas uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, that stayed together for nearly a full decade with no changes. And, and you can wow. kind of tell. Yeah, I, I know from, from kind of relatively direct sources of how significant that was in terms of providing uh, a sense of unity and and kind of common direction and, and kind of removing some of the elements of, of change there. But with that came what we're experiencing now, that there was going to be a few waves of, you know, very rapid succession. And we had the first one when President Hinckley passed away and a few followed. Uh, actually, President Faust, Faust had died a few months before. Then in, in 2015, I think it was that we, we lost Elders, Packer, and Scott and Perry right. in, in one go, Perry, in yes. just one conference. And then in 2018, when we lost uh, President Monson and Elder Hales, which were the last two two calls. And now we might be, you know, in the next two to three years, we might be facing a similar reality as we have quite a few that are 90 plus or in not so good health. But uh, it's super interesting to see that and those dynamics. Uh, and also... Um, Something very peculiar. One question that I had is: Are apostles always called in general conference, or have they been called at other no, times? No, they have been called in. Yes. Yeah, they have been called. Yes, not. You, it's not a frequent thing, though. I, uh, th- yeah. th- those are one of the things that I find interesting. It's not like a mandatory thing, uh, but it has happened. One would expect that happens in general conference, but there have been some exceptions. I according to my understanding. Yeah, there's an article that we'll also link to from LDS Daily that is called Are Latter-day Saint Apostles Always Called During General Conference? And you just gave the right answer, Danny. So, no, not always. It doesn't have to be that way. But the times that has happened, it's really, really, really infrequent. Right. The last time, though, yes. yeah, the last time is not that far away, though. It's Elder Holland. He was called um, right, well, in June 1994, I believe. Which was when President Hunter uh, took over as the so, president. So he, at, at that time, he was the president of BYU, right? When no, he was he was, no, he was president of BYU until the late 80s, I believe. Then he was area president here in the UK. He used to live in okay. Solihull, close to Birmingham. And that's where the headquarters were back then. And then he might have been here or maybe back in the US on another assignment as a 70. And then he was called. Okay. And then but he that, was called. Okay. Yeah. That was off cycle though. And there were no extenuating circumstances, I believe. And the other previous time in recent years, recent quotation marks, <laughs> was uh, Elder Maxwell, whom. Uh, he was called the, in the 70s or, or 80s? Uh, early 80s, I believe 81. Early and 80s, it was yes. when It was when the first presidency, all of them were quite ill. And they call a third counselor, which was 
President Hinckley. So when he was mm-hmm. called as that third counselor, that left a vacancy in the Quorum of the Twelve. So they called. And they called Elder Maxwell, Elder Maxwell, whom, as we read in this article, he was in hospital then. He was getting some surgery, um, and uh, he was called while there. And President um, President Kimball uh, visited him, and I think President, sorry, Elder Maxwell was still uh, with some of the effects of yeah, some of the effects of the anesthesia and all of that. So it was quite an interesting extension of the calling. Okay, uh, okay. And, and that was also off cycle. It was not during general conference. They were sus- sustaining the, in the following one. Uh, do you remember the first time of kind of sustaining an apostle, like a brand new one? Do you have any recollection of that then? Uh, well, I, I remember Elder Bednar. By the time they called her Elder Bednar, I think I just I just came in your mission. Yes, I was in my mission. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I came home, he came to my stake uh, for the stake conference. So it was very, very powerful, you know. Like I mean, just, and I and I saw him as a very young apostle. So it was very significant for me to sustain him as an apostle, and then seeing him in my state conference, my local state conference in Villa Alemana in Chile, and and coming just as a recently called uh, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So it was quite of an experience, I would say. And of course, I mean, we shouldn't, but we always have some preferred, you know, members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Are you, are you saying you have, you have favorites? You have favorites? Then? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely is, is is one of mine. So yeah. I, I really like the, the way he he talks and the way he addresses, you know, uh, certain topics and and how he conveys the message in a way that for me is very, very appealing. So I, yeah. I really like the way he He's serving yeah. as a member of the Quorum of Twelve That is the same, the same one that I remember, like the first one. And I remember because I stayed at some friends. You know what? I might have stayed with my brother at the Vallejo's house. Uh, so at oh, your really? wife's house yeah. back then. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. So when, when my wife was not my wife. Yes. When yeah. My exactly. Wife didn't we know. Of yes. your existence, what would yeah. happen? Yes. So yeah, b- back then, uh, for listeners, uh, I was friends with with uh, Danny's wife's family for a long time because my brother is married to his uh, sister in law. <laughs> so yeah, I think I, w- I was staying there, and I remember taking the bus with my brother back to our stake center that Saturday morning. Like, we we stayed with them on Friday just for some you know activities, I guess. Random activities, we, we, and, and we arrived like one minute too late from the sustainings to the stake center. And I, because the first thing I remember walking into the stake center back then, this is pre-internet kind of broadcast. So uh, we had satellite. had to go there. Yeah, exactly. So I walk in and I see Elder Rukdorf and Elder Bednar walking to the stand. Like when they tell me that you, you can yes. join us in this stand on that moment. And I see them and I was like, no, I, I wanted to know who they were. And yes. no smartphones, anything. I had to wait to go back home and kind of Google. And that's when I found out. And I knew neither of them. So I was like, oh, nothing. Yes. But yeah, so the speculation is on. I think that there's always a bit of what what's healthy speculation and what becomes unhealthy. And and you touch on some of those points that I wanted to to touch on as well a little bit. And is that um, th- there's an expectation and kind of a, a, a I would say righteous desire, kind of a nice to have aspiration that uh, certain uh, groups that make up the body of the church would be represented and. Um, very selfishly, I would love to see a member of the Quorum of the Twelve that was a native Spanish, native Spanish speaker, 
I, I think I haven't done the count. I wanted to do it before the episode. I apologize because I couldn't, but I wanted to see what the percentage of native Spanish speakers, so people from Latin America and Spain mainly, uh, or Equatorial Guinea, which, by the way, they speak Spanish, former they Spanish colony Spanish. in yes. Africa. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have anybody from there, though. Um, yeah, but... I wanted to see what the proportion was, but I think we have a good couple dozen of uh, members of the but in, 17, but in terms of membership you know? but in terms of membership though we, well yeah, i think we're, we're we're more spanish speaking than english speaking in the total number of active members of the church so i think it's oh really or, 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 yeah or close or, or definitely close. a strong or, or, second even, yes yes yeah, yeah. That's so a good point. We kind of deserve it, right? I mean, we kind of, <laughs> for, for for the sake of the audience, yeah, we kind of we kind well, of deserve yeah. a, an apostle that is Spanish speaking. I mean, I'm just kidding, but but I think you, you get the gist there. I mean, yeah, uh, and, having and, 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 a, a global church that has a very wide membership population that comes from Latin American or Spanish speaking countries. Then of course you want to hear some accent, you know, yeah. in the in general conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, 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 I might have shared this experience, but I want to share it again if I have done it before. I apologize. Uh, it's another one of our experiences from Chile when Elder Holland was presiding there, uh, because I know of an anecdote when he uh, was presiding the area, and over the first few months they were going on on state conference visits, like apostles do and like area presidents do. To get to know the area, visit uh, everything, and and during those first few months, Elder Holland was loving that. Um, allegedly, you know, uh, uh, I have good sources for that, but uh, uh, no reason to doubt that this anecdote is, is is true. So that that was happening, and he was loving it. He was like, "Oh, Chile is great. Everything is working out so so well." And uh, well, that area presidency was constituted of a diverse group of of leaders, uh, one of which was from Latin America. And kind of knew some of the new local nuances of what was going on. And the advice from this leader was actually Elder Holland, like that, that, that's right. They're, they're really nice, but this is not a, a true, this is not a true reflection of what, what is going on. Like they know you're coming. And to be fair, this is not a Latin America specific thing. I think all stakes in the world when they know that an apostle is coming will probably over prepare for it and ensure that you, you, you do housekeeping, you do housekeeping yeah. before it. <laughs> that, that's, that's not, yeah, that's human nature, but, 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 there was that kind of I kind of I know my people, <laughs> I know this is going on. So let's yes. let's change the strategy. Let's go unannounced, and they started doing that, and and, and that gave a very surprises. Different yeah, came, exactly. Yes. To towards one of which I served on as a missionary. I remember um, I arrived a few months later, and they would tell me the story that that they, they would arrive there and sacrament meeting wouldn't start for like 20 minutes after the time because you know people were late the leaders were late or sometimes they would just not show up and uh, very low attendance in words that were reporting higher numbers and things like that that were part of the reason why he probably went there or was sent there to to see what what the issues were with the, the local church so and let's not forget that elder oaks <clears throat> went to philippines at that time so i think yeah. those two areas had some yeah. issues going on and then the church was concerned about how to help, right? How, yeah. how to find a better way to, you know, to solve all these issues happening there, yes? Yeah, which by the way, if we, if we have any listeners with some firsthand experience during that time of President Oaks presiding there, I would love to ho to hear some of those stories because you know, they overlap in time. So reach yeah. out to us at these weekend mornings. Yeah, on, on I our remember socials. A, a very, a very insignificant cue, but I remember Elder Oaks 
participating, I think, in a talk from Philippines area and wearing a shirt sleeve shirt, which yeah, was and for no me jacket. absolutely yeah, and no jacket. Yeah, so yeah. it was absolutely new. I haven't seen an apostle wearing a shirt sleeve shirt el- in my life. So Oaks of all people, yeah, Elder Oaks. Oaks. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. so it well, was, that's yeah. great. Well, speaking of apostolic succession again, one last comment from my side is there's a part of me that wishes that, um, how can I say this, that we as a church kind of uh, were willing to, uh, how can I say this again, to break from tradition. And I know that there's a pattern in all things and that there's a, a robust tradition of apostolic succession. Uh, but uh, I, I think one of the downsides of our current approach that mm-hmm. that has been sustained for over a century uh, is that they serve for life, which I think is great. There is a lot of good that comes with it, and I appreciate it. I've been blessed by it. Um, but then there is a flip side that they serve until a time where when it's probably really, really difficult. And, and I wish you know that there was a, an option that they. They probably have it. I don't know that there's nothing Abdicate, in the scriptures that like says abdication. Yeah, like to become emeritus. Like if seventies can do it, and there are also special witnesses, probably with lowercase special witness. But in the doctrine and covenants, they're also called special witnesses, and, and they become emeritus at a certain age. And maybe apostles could choose to retire and to and to to become emeritus, and for one reason, I mean, for many reasons, probably that could have some positive effects. Of course, also other. Undesirable effects, maybe, but but where is the positive that I imagine? One is that when they pass away, we could fully turn our attention to look at their ministry, honor their lives, and pay a tr- pay tribute to them without the immediate, almost instantaneous uh, thought of who is going to speculation. Come next. Yeah, and all the the how is saying English motivo, like the 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 you know yeah. the. Uh-oh. I mean, I, I was I was just thinking about what you said, and you know that in Spanish, the word for retirement is jubilee, right? Yeah. So the jubilee time of retiring from your earthly endeavors, and in this particular case for their spiritual endeavors as members of the Quran of the Twelve Apostles. And then you start thinking, I mean, the church always tells us, I mean, we never retire until we're dead which is all good. We're hardworking people and we understand the concept of, of the work and, and the, the worker is uh, worthy of the salary and of the spiritual yeah. experiences and all. But if we wanna, if we're going to grow in terms of people that are serving and people that are having uh, leadership experiences, then members of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles will also deserve some jubilee time, right? Where they <laughs> can take a step aside enjoy and and cherish with the members uh, their ministry but also seeing you know the new generation or the new apostles serving uh, and helping around I, I think there's a time in life where you want to rest and as we learn you know from from yeah. Genesis, your labors. Right? We work, yeah. <laughs> yes, from the labors we need to rest from our labors as well and for a season uh, I, I, and I think as a, as a church also, we're ma- mature enough to understand that if they decide to to take a step aside and then rest and enjoy their jubilee years to okay. see how the church continues and grows and calling new members and calling new members of the Chromotel Apostles and, and having that experience, yeah. 
even considering them as you know uh, external consultants, you know, or as senior, you know, consultants yeah. for for, but in a role I mean, that is I mean, less demanding. It already happens with general authorities that are not apostles or members of the first presidency. Usually, they uh, many of them continue serving if their health allows and if there's a need as temple presidents, MTC presidents, or other other functions that are not of a less general demanding, right? Yes, yeah, and that are more localized, probably less demanding, and a good transition after you know decades of serving full time as well. I think there's a withdrawal that some of them might experience, and they they carry a wealth of experience. Uh, and in those roles, they can usually serve much more alongside their spouses as well, which is also another another, also another topic of what, welcome, what the yes. impact uh, of being a general authority is on your family on dynamics, your yes. on and, and your wife, and, and even on those earlier, sorry, older years, on children, grandchildren, and all the other generations. Great grandchildren, yes. yeah, that <laughs> might not get to experience uh, a granddad, a great granddad, uh, as much. So. Um, food for thought. Uh, please don't take our comments as sacrilegious. We're doing it in, in a spirit of respect and uh, of healthy speculation. And and there's nothing in the scriptures that really prevents us from having this discussion or or, or wishing for some of these things. Uh, uh, but we are also um, uh, stand by uh, our, our leaders and, and uh, we'll do our best to, to support them and do the best that they can do, despite being very, yes. very old. Well, on, on that note, Danny, the last comment before moving to a rapid fire review of te of temple news and other news before we close with all of this news comes the calling of elder holland as the acting president of the quorum of the 12 apostles even though uh, elder oaks is the natural you know because he's the oldest member of the quorum of 12 apostles so he should be the acting president in the natural you know tradition um, yeah, if he were not uh, in, the, uh, in the presidency, he yes. would be the. the he actually, would, he so. is the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, and Elder but Holland the acting, because yes. exactly. So, which is an interesting calling because uh, it's as far as I'm, I understand. Please correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong. It's not a calling that's founded on on, on kind of scriptural Doctrine. grounds, right? Right, it's it's, and that's why it, it's there. However, uh, I think it's functioned that way since the the very beginning, as, as long as we Forever, can go yes. back to. And there is a pattern there that it's always been based on seniority. Now, going back to the same point that we were talking about before, I I, I have to confess that I was a little bit worried about the calling, and and it's on the same grounds that we were discussing before. Uh, President Holland now. Uh, I need to get, yes. get oh, used yes. to say President Holland <laughs> again. We did it for two yes. years in Chile back in the day, but President Holland's health has been really difficult. Sister Patricia Holland yes. passed away just three, four months ago as well, and we know how rough that can be for for anybody, right? And, yes. and he hasn't spoken in the last couple of conferences because he, he was uh, very ill. Sick. And even yesterday, he he's yeah, and uh, even even yesterday we learned that he was three of those weeks that he was in hospital a few months ago in, in a coma, in, unconscious. Uh, so, so he was quite close to you know to joining Elder yeah. Banner on the other side of the veil. So um, I was worried that especially for this role that is called acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve, that or in this particular case or pattern or tradition or succession leads to calling probably the least physically able apostle to do it. And I wondered, and part of me wished, I hope he's not called. I hope this is a golden opportunity to 
um, rape tradition, aside, I guess. Or, uh, yes, or as we said, maybe yeah. asking for. Yeah, even though, even though I, I really wanted him to do it, like because of my experience in Chile and all of that, we we have a kind of a, a very unique kinship with him. But but that happened, and I was quite worried. However, yesterday he spoke for the first time in public in a public church setting in, in, in a long time. He spoke at the funeral of President Ballard, and much of that anxiety that I had about it was minimized. Reduced. He, he looked quite quite well compared to the expectations that I had. And he, he spoke really, really well. It was, for, for me at least, it was the, the, the highlight of the service uh, with some okay. of the anecdotes that he shared with Elder Ballard, kind of ministering to him when he was ill. And then in reverse, these last few weeks, it, it was just a lovely talk. And he did l look weaker and, you know, he's older now. And after going through so much health issues, you would expect to see some lingering things. He was a bit shorter on breath. But I did see him very functional in 110% there you know mentally emotionally and and i was excited to see him that way because even though he might not be very mobile physically i, I think i think there. it's very natural danny it's very natural to think about the man about the human you know and as humans we understand that with age there are challenges natural to it and and i mean president nelson said that he's 99 and then doctors don't know what to do or how to treat him because there's no record there's no reference okay. uh, of, of people reaching that age so active you know so i mean um, as someone that understands that as a society as humans we're going to live longer because we've got conditions we've established base ground conditions that allow us to to reach to 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 an older age that also means that we're respectful. We love this this men, but we want them the best, you know. And sometimes the best is for them to to have an opportunity to engage in other activities, right? And and and. But again, I think it's just I th I hope you know it's a matter of time where we see them in in different roles or or, or having um, a time where they can work and serve, but not in the first line, you know. And and mm -hmm. and they can also bless us in in different roles right that, okay. that will also benefit them and benefit us as a, as a global church so i mean we're running out of time and it's very it's been a, a very we very have... short episode for, for for us at least well, i hope it, listeners it you're big... having a good time with us it was well, big news you're not being bored uh, yeah. but by our uh, iterations on, on topics that are <laughs> we consider relevant and and critical to be discussed today so we've oh, got yeah. news about temples and, and yeah. let's talk about those three news of the temples, right? The first right. one is Lima Los Olivos Temple Open House. And the good news about it is this is the first city outside Utah, right? Or or, the, or uh, Utah County that has more than one temple, which is historic, okay? And I mm -hmm. think that's also showing the growth of the church in Peru. This is also showing the... the that this is a global church and okay. that it matters to think that uh, members of the church worldwide need temples closer to them, right? Uh, and maybe I'm going to deviate just a second, but but I think I've mentioned this before. I'm here in a very peculiar area in, in New York State, and the closest temple is two hours, two hours and 15 minutes from here. And then the other closest temple I have is the New York City Temple in Manhattan, which is three hours and a half. And then I have the closest other temple that I have is three hours and a half. And it's the Palmyra temple, 
right? All the very interesting or attractive temples, but I have three kids and I have my wife and then there are no annex or you don't have any, you know, babysitters or daycares or something where you can go to a temple and leave your kids for two hours uh, as a temple might take. So it's been kind of a bittersweet experience because we've been to the Palmyra Temple, but of course we haven't been able to attend a session. But we've been there, we've been into the Sacred Grove, we've been to all these historic places, but we haven't been able to experience the full extent of the blessings and the the benefit of, of, of going to these temples. And when I think of having a second temple in a, in a reasonably big city as uh, Lima, then you think, well, there are lots of members. These members have been using, you know, their temple, uh, the Lima Peru temple, for a while now, and, and yeah, they're, it's one of the earlier ones. Their, in their worship yeah. and yes, their worship and their, you know, adoration has led them legible, you know, to to have a second temple, and I think it's just wonderful. It, it shows that the church is is maturing in different settings different from Utah or different from Utah and Arizona and California. And then uh, people from uh, other places in the world uh, are seeing the benefits of the growth of the church. And, and having temples, I think, is the biggest um, indication of that. And, and not just that, uh, the the I think it's the South America Northwest area of the church, which is made up of Peru, I believe Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, if I'm not yes, mistaken. that's correct. Um, has been uh, a lot, I mean, they, they have engaged on a lot of public relations and public affairs initiatives. I mean, that they've for the last two or three years, they have hosted this National Day of Prayer, multi-faith event where they have joined with many other faiths. In one of those years, they, they did it uh, in, on the grounds of the Lima, Peru Temple, and I think there was a, a news article back then that during that event they projected a, a Roman cross on the temple, you know, in, in the yeah. night in, in the evening, which was thought to be the first time that a, that a Roman cross symbol was projected in an LDS temple, which was interesting. But but a lot of things going on in, in that area, kind of reaching out beyond just the the boundaries of of the church, and, and this opportunity with the open house that just started. Plus, the, the dedication, I think, is scheduled for January next year. Elder Christofferson will do it. Uh, it. It's something to look forward to. The church has been growing significantly in Peru as well at a, at a rate that that is uh, uh, of uh, notoriety compared to, to some of the, the neighboring countries there. And and it's it's re- really, really great. I think they've passed the 100-stake threshold a while ago or recent, recently, but, but they're well past that threshold now, and the church is growing healthily. In that area, so and, a shout then, out to all of our Peruvian saints yes. there and elsewhere listening in. And and inevitably, our bias as Chileans uh, takes us to think that soon, also Santiago de Chile will be another city outside yeah, yeah, yeah. Utah, yeah, out <clears throat> Utah State, having so a think, second temple within the, the boundaries of the city. You know, like yeah, this two will temples become, in the same city. This will become the first non-Utah city to have that, but there are quite a few now that have been announced that are on the on the pipeline, and Santiago is one of those. I think can't remember the others, but I, I know that there's there's been a few around the world that will yes. that have added their second city temple, uh, which shows some some interesting trends there. Another trend worth noting that I noticed is that the in recent years it has become more the norm that the exception that apostles dedicate temples rather than a member of the first presidency or the prophet as it used to be much very much the norm through 
all of church history but, until this generation, this last. But then years, again, maybe, I think it, it it leads to to this idea that I mean we've been building temples and the growth has been exponential for the last thirty years. So then, uh, I don't think there's any you know doctrinal basis no. where we need the prophet or a member of the first presidency dedicating them. Yeah. By by the mere fact that we've got an apostle or the prophet dedicating, they all hold the same keys that will allow them to do so. And, and with, so. with so many, so many that are announced and that are going to be dedicated over the next few years, it's, it's physically, you know, uh, unreasonable that not just this prophet that is ninety nine years old, but any prophet will be able to to travel that long. I mean, in a couple of years, years we're probably going to have like a dedication every other week at least. And hmm. just not feasible. So it's, it's a sign of the church kind of adjusting to that reality. And I think when they took away the cultural celebrations that used to be the norm as well prior to a, a temple and a, a temple dedication or rededication, I guess speaks of the faster pace at which we're building temples. On temple news, moving to the next one, conscious of time, uh, the temple site for the Viña del Mar Chile temple was released. We talked about this temple, this city extensively in our first international episode back in June. So if you want to go back to that episode from June, listening, why for Danny and myself, this this temple is so significant. We might have even teased, not, not teased, but we would have mentioned like, oh, imagine the day that this city might have a temple. Really unlikely because they just announced <laughs> a second temple in Santiago in Chile. And boom, maybe you predicted. Yeah, so yeah. Viña del Mar is a city where I was born. It's a city where Danny, Danny has lived. And the temple, that the, the site that they just announced, it's actually in downtown Viña del Mar, a lovely coastal city, about the third or fourth biggest city in Chile. And it's uh, on the grounds of the current stake center and institute building, and I believe mission offices of the Viña del Mar Which mission. is the, it's a historical space, you know. I mean, that, that space was where David O'Mackey school, you know, the school, the, a church school was, yeah. was uh, functioning in the 70s, right? When the church, uh, you know, in, the, in its educational branches uh, was capable of, of bringing high quality education, you know, for a very low you know, price yeah. to members and members of the church. So it was an interesting time, an interesting era for many founding, you know, let's say members or families of the church in, in the fifth region. So it was a historical place for them. Then it was the first stick center. And then, I mean, it, it's a very nice area also. It's it's a very old, like traditional Vineyard Mar area. And yes, we were- The historical you know, district, so to speak. Yes, yeah, there is a there is a cultural center there. There is called Palacio Rioja, uh, that 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 also has a very nice architecture and and it, it in a way it's a reminiscent of of the good old glo glory days of Viña del Mar as yeah. a, also as a vacational space for for aristocracy that that traveled from Santiago to yeah. Viña del Mar to enjoy the nice weather and to enjoy the the beach and you know the yeah. the retreat and, and the whole experience. So um, we were. Um, thinking about how they're going to to design and the architecture there and, and how they're going to use the space. We're definitely thinking that the stake center probably is not going to be functioning there anymore because even though the space is is reasonable, it's a it's a very long, you know, piece of land. Yeah, it's a very elongated uh, yes. terrain. Yeah. Uh we, we were we were, you know, elucubrating how is is it going to be and, and how is it going to look. And we hope, you know, our, our best expectation is that we see architecture that uh respects the area and, and, and the 
the architecture around it. And also, it's a very nice neighborhood. So we think it's going to, you know, uh, bring the attention of local people and local news. And and it will be an opportunity also, again, to talk about the church and to invite others which to, I think to is also see, to come and share, to come and to come and, and and get to know us. Well, it seems to be also a bit of a trend. And my my last comment about this is that many of these newer temples, even some that have been dedicated over the last ten years or so, have been more in urban city center type areas, like the Philadelphia Temple, or even the recent one dedicated in Thailand, I think, in Bangkok, uh, quite kind of in the middle of the city, uh, rather than in more suburban areas with more like a wider landscape. Uh, which which is interesting. I think it plugs us more into the, into so, uh, some of those communities as well, especially the international ones. Well, uh, to finish up, let's do rapid fire of the title and the 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 gist of some of the other news. The last one about temples is Elder Stevenson dedicated the Okinawa Temple, as I mentioned before. Seems to be the norm now that apostles dedicate temples, which has been a gradual but also, big change. I think it's there's also this. Uh, well, Elder Stevenson served the mission in Japan, so his yeah. heart is with the members in Japan as well. So it's a wonderful opportunity, I think. I mean, it's it's a double, you know, it's it's a double benefit for him. Double one as an yeah. apostle to, to dedicate, but also to meet with people. You know how powerful it would be, you know, to dedicate a temple as a member of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles and seeing, I know, people you you had the opportunity to to teach the gospel, right? Being there. Yeah. And, I don't know. It's the, the, that is, it, it just melts my heart to think about it, to, to think about yeah. that experience as, as an individual, but then also as a representing uh, the prophet and representing Jesus Christ. Right. So yeah. I think it's just, it's just very, very, very lovely. A shout out to our Japanese fellow saints. I know a few from my years at BYU and some of the best people I've known. So really happy for them. Rapid fire with other news. Uh, this one's quite interesting. We might uh, get into it a bit more on the Patreon segment. Brazilian YouTuber interviews Elder Suarez about his apostolic calling. This is on the church like news in Spanish. Yes. I would like to highlight that this is not an LDS YouTuber, by the way. So yeah. for, for the ones that might think that it's an LDS YouTuber, well, he's yeah. Ima- imagine the stereotypical kind of YouTuber that does explainers and the thumbnails all the, of the videos are very flashy, many colors, and they're, they have this face of like, oh, surprise, like that type of YouTuber, kind of about half a million subscribers. Um, and yeah, and he went to talk about what it means to be an apostle and what the church is about. I think the thumbnail is like, first Brazilian apostles, who are the Mormons? is like a very general explainer. And I think it's worth noting, that this is the first, I might be wrong, but this is the first one that I see of very senior leadership, so apostles and kind of first presidency, engaging with alternative media, not with traditional media. And, I mean, and we, we covered we covered recently Elder Bednar going to the summit to this technique technological summit. Oh yeah, the uh, Silicon Slopes. Yeah, the Silicon Slopes. So that yeah, would be but, another alternative yeah. media. Yeah, not, not not like going to. Yeah, I see what you mean. But still, it's a very very established kind of business community. Like in this case, it's just. A guy with a microphone, just like I look like now in the video, <laughs> talking to Elder Suarez, which is quite quite interesting. Rather than going into what he talked about, I thought it was worth noting that you know there's a an effort to reach out uh, it, through channels that are probably going to be the ones dominating in the in the near future, with, especially with yes. younger generations. Right? Um, what are some of the benefits of this? Are there any risks to it? I think that a lot of it. Maybe could we have an apostle in? 
visiting twin, twin. the international twin. Who, who knows? Who knows? Anything could happen maybe now that they have set this precedent. So, Elder Suarez, you will be welcome to join us if, if you're listening. If you're I'm listening, listening. Listen. yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, you're uh, invited, yes. Yeah. Next one. New family search features have been released. Uh, there's an article in the Church News talking about some of this. The first one is a feature called Your Impact. It's really cool. What it does is that if you have done indexing with your family search account, now you will, will be able to see what happened with the people whose names you indexed. Have they been? Uh, have they gone through the temple for for their ordinances, uh, etc.? I, I find that quite cool because so far I felt like it's a little bit like a one way input that what we provide when we do indexing and provide these these inputs. And now to see the impacts, the fruits of your labor using scriptural language, I think is is really nice. And the second the second feature is get involved, and this is interesting because it it's including. I mean, it includes AI. And the AI will do the work for you. And then you just, as a capture probably, you just check if, if the work that was done by the AI is correct. And then you kind of verify if it's, uh, at this point, we understand that AI is everywhere. And I don't know, from bots that are answering your questions in, I don't know, customer service, web pages, to chat GPT, and hmm. through any other AI platform where you, I don't know, create art or, or, or audio or video. It's just interesting to see that the church is also considering because yeah. there's no other way around. I mean, this is coming uh, to stay and it's going to make hopefully our, our lives easier and it's going to make us, you know, reduce the time we invest in endeavors that are mechanical or they're not, you know, that, uh, yeah, maybe the, the, the days simple of indexing, tasks, you know. Yeah, yes, the and, days of indexing, indexing might be over. Yeah, eventually. Yes. So, right, it, it's an opportunity for us to understand that uh, these steps are natural steps and they're beneficial. And if we see them as uh, an opportunity to reach uh, a, a wider group of, of people that uh, are there waiting for us to do the work, you know, the work of, yeah. of salvation, then it's just if we're using the right tools, then of course is more than, yeah. than needed and, and welcome and, and necessary. So uh, it, it made me it made me think now I have a, a talk to give tomorrow at church that I still need to fully prepare. And I thought, oh maybe I can use AI and go and ask, prepare a talk for me. <laughs> I'm thinking of righteous uses. Would that be righteous yes. though? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but I mean uh, I know what you get is, is general it, ideas. No, yeah, but yeah, you've yeah. got general ideas and then you can you can build up from there. I think sometimes the, the most difficult thing for anything is just a blank page. So when you have some ideas laid out there, hmm. then it allows the inspiration. It's like you're not going to be inspired if you have anything in your head, right? I mean, yeah. you're not going to remember scriptures if you don't know the scriptures, right? So yeah. I think this idea of, of having some, you know, some topics or some bullet points in in a blank page is always yeah. useful for for developing or, or or you know allowing the spirit to to prompt you what to do next or, or what to include in your talk. So and it, it would be I interesting. Think it's very very late. It's yeah. very, very late. We've been here for, for a very, very long time. I hope, uh, dear listeners, you're bearing with us. I hope people that are watching us on YouTube are also bearing with us. We had a wonderful time. I had a wonderful time. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm including Danny because I hope that he had a good time as well today. This is always a great opportunity for us to to share our insights and our opinion about uh, the church and, of course, news related to a church and our testimonies of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So. I'm, I'm yeah, really, really happy you. we're doing this. 
Thank you, Danny, for that. I think it was a great discussion, and I thought the listeners think the same. We have a few more articles to cover, but for that, we invite you to join uh, This Week in Mormons uh, on Patreon, where you're going to have 15-minute episodes with where we go even deeper on some of these topics or where we cover some other articles. For example, uh, did you know that the new uh, Minister of Economy of Ecuador is a member of the church. She was a missionary and that was all over the news over there or some of the other news that we'll leave there here for now and we'll go to Patreon to cover them. But thank you very much for joining us today. Hope to see you uh, soon uh, in another international episode before the end of the year, hopefully. And if not, have a happy new year, I guess. We might see you actually in, in January. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep you there on your toes. But Danny, thank you very much. Have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, follow us on social media, on Twitter or X, on Facebook, on everywhere you can find us. And if you have any feedback for this episode or anything else, or you want to see anything uh, on this international episodes, you want to be a, a co-host maybe or share some of your international experience, reach out to contact at thiswikimormons.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much, Danny. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Have a good morning, you wherever too. you are. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Have a wonderful Sabbath. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.